1: Across the world from Wei Ting, who is joining us right now, the man that seems to be having the time of his life, if you follow him, at Wei0937 on Instagram, letting us all into a, a glimpse into his big trip. And he seems to be doing everything, hanging out with wrestlers, with people from Terrace House, going to spas. He's been all over the place. And tonight, he is with us, or in the morning, if you're listening Uh, where Wei is how are you Wei
0: well I'm excellent excellent since we last last spoke I feel like I've lived like 20 lifetimes here in Tokyo I mean things happen really quickly here
1: are you ever coming back or are you just contemplating the idea of just settling down there uh no I'm coming back tomorrow oh okay so it's been a vacation but just a vacation
0: yeah, you know what? Like I, I've 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 thought a lot about it and um I think the city is awesome. Um but I do like being separated from it so that I can look forward to enjoying it as a vacation destination. I think like living here you can't really appreciate a lot of those things as much because you're surrounded by them all the time. But um It's like eating you know, ribs. Yeah, you can't have ribs every day. No. It's exactly like eating ribs actually. It's in it's in the tour guide. Japan is like eating ribs, is what it says in the guidebook.
1: Have you had – what what have been some really outstanding meals you've had over there? Anything that jumps out? I mean,
0: I I guess nothing that necessarily jumps out, but like I'll tell you almost everything is good. And when I say like everything, I even mean like convenience store, like prepackaged meals like everything. You really can't go wrong. Um so
1: you clearly have a lot of faith too to go that route with a pre-packaged meal at a convenience store. You
0: John, trust me. Like I I if I could bring back some of this stuff I would. And it's like what 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 would be like a I don't know, like just a cheap kind of um I don't know, pre-packaged noodle bowl in from a 7-11 would be considered like <laughs> really, like a really good lunch you know in' in Liberty village, for instance, wow
1: well this sounds uh this sounds encouraging for anyone that's maybe shy about uh eating out of their their usual meals if you go to a strange place, just dive right in you might be surprised uh, seriously,
0: I think that's the best way to experience the city
1: is to just like walk in have you? How did you meet the person from Terrace House? She was uh
0: yeah, so I posted a photo yesterday of uh, um, me and uh, this person from Terrace House who, which is for people who listen to the show, uh, my favorite show this year. Um, it's a Netflix reality show uh, based in Japan and uh, this person, her name's Lauren, she was kind of like one of the lead characters of the last season. And she now happens to be an illustrator and model in Tokyo. And she did some collaboration with uh, a Starbucks, like a special Starbucks that that was out here in in Harajuku. And um, she was just like at the launch and meeting fans. Did you have to
1: line up to meet her?
0: Yeah, I did. I mean, it wasn't that long. I think it was like a half hour wait. Um, And it's weird. Like, I guess I don't always do that type of thing but like you can't help but kind of feel like by the moment that you actually go through the lineup that uh this person is really important even though like they're, they're very normal people you know like I suppose like I get a small glimpse of that like let's say when we do our like Wrestlemania gatherings and there are people lining up to like talk to you and I um I think at the like in those moments you're just kind of like trying your best to keep up and trying to like have an actual meaningful interaction with everybody but like sometimes it's a little weird cuz you know it's kind of an unnatural environment and and you know like the person you're talking to sometimes mm, maybe like feels a little uncomfortable but i think the whole process of like lining up to meet somebody that's like kind of like on this throne is we'll kind of do that anyway it's yeah anyway it was fascinating but i mean i was in tokyo i could not
1: do it how important was it meeting this person of the fact that you'd get a photo to post i mean that to me would be the the big driver here was, was that's that's the
0: only thing
1: that's i mean the only just goal. to have an empty meeting that no one else is aware of i mean what good is that if you can't share this experience with the world Oh, that's that's the whole point of social media you you looked at the the grammability of this interaction and that probably decided is this worth 30 minutes yes it is 100 I, I thought it was 100 well i don't want to uh i don't want to waste too much time we have a lot of stuff to talk about on this show uh, we're going to chat about raw Wei also attended the first night of the world tag league tournament over the weekend, which for anyone that was watching, not just on New Japan World, but New Japan also made this free on YouTube. So the whole world got to see Wei Ting and his great seats with Chris Charlton. So we'll get Wei's thoughts on that event, which I have watched. I'm also going to quickly run through the Kevin Owens 365 special that aired after the Survivor Series. But before we start, Raw, Wei, did you get to see any of TakeOver or Survivor Series? I cannot possibly talk any longer about either event because people can download hours of me talking about these shows. Uh, but for yourself, uh, did you get to see them, and what were some of your impressions of the 85 hours of WWE content over the last two days? Uh,
0: I caught, yeah, I caught I caught all of Takeover, and then I caught most of uh, Survivor Series, all the important matches. I just I I think I really just kind of skimmed through uh, Corbin and Miz. And, uh, I think the women's title match, but, um, I, I, I watched almost everything and NXT was just awesome. It's a very like, good show. I'm trying to think if I enjoyed this show more or the last one, but I'm sure they're all pretty neck and neck in terms of like quality and, and crowd and everything. Um, I think the, the big takeaway from takeover was, uh, the surprise of that Velveteen dream, Alistair Black match and How they really managed to steal the show From like a few that I honestly didn't Really hear all that much about I don't watch NXT regularly but Even like a guy like Velveteen Dream you don't Really hear that much buzz about Especially within NXT but where, where There's so much talent but man Like that match was just Storytelling that was Unexpected you know from From that I guess Somebody who's kind of relatively New you know so um, I think that really stole the show. Uh, but of course, the War Games match was great. And I also loved McIntyre and uh, Um So like, man, two hours of like awesome wrestling, you really can't go wrong.
1: Yeah, and I think especially after Monday night, although they didn't win two years ago, I think the unofficial winners now of Tough Enough can be Patrick Clark, the Velveteen Dream, and Mandy Rose. Those will be that would be like the miz from tough enough where he actually didn't win his season but everyone will just assume he was what came out of that particular show i'll say
0: so it always happens like that but you don't know, remember how they treated him i mean i guess wasn't like i mean austin aries tried out for that season and didn't make it right
1: no this was this was the one a few just 2 years ago aries tried out for the one where the uh oh that that dude won. the guy who was uh, never even made it onto tv basically the meth, the meth guy. Yeah, the meth guy. <laughs> oh, that one. The, the one Austin that had Jeremiah Riggs on it, that Austin. Right. Yeah, yeah. This yeah, is yeah, the yeah. one with Daniel Bryan on it. That got it. Hogan got removed from. Yeah. Um. Well.
0: Like the, I remember them treating Patrick Clark pretty badly on that season because he was a guy who was actually a wrestling fan,
1: and he got mad at the non-fans. And the guy's yes. only twenty-two years old. So he was 20, wow. he was 20 when he was doing that show. Very bright future for him.
0: Yeah. Good for him.
1: I will say, I think that that guy is super talented. I would get a new, I, he does such a beautiful elbow drop off the top, but every time you watch that, it's the same reaction I had when I was watching uh, Fandango. It's like, man, you're going to blow out your hip doing that all the time. Cause he goes all in on that elbow drop.
0: Mm. yeah i mean they're young they can take it i guess the the thing is like when you're young i guess you you kind of need anything you can in order to to get you noticed
1: but he he is noticed and he has true he is over now that he doesn't even need that move i mean it's not something that it's so necessary to the act that the velveteen dream is i mean that guy could come up with a million different ideas, and I think it would work uh, for him. Like, he's got a beautiful elbow drop. It looks great. But it's also, I'm just looking for the the long term uh, of this guy. Like, why why condition your entire uh, moveset to build around this thing that's going to be something at 30? You're going to be wondering, why the hell did I ever start doing this?
0: Yeah, I mean, I can't really disagree, you know.
1: Well, let's get into Raw. This was night number three. From the Toyota Center. And one thing it seems is that this was a big... This was not a show or a weekend that people were traveling to in any great numbers. Takeover, despite being a great show, was about half empty. Survivor Series did well. And then it seems Raw and SmackDown, uh, not exactly up to usual Raw and SmackDown television levels. So... I mean, it's one thing for Mania, the Rumble. I would even say SummerSlam is one that I think is when you're building it in a place like New York, um, that can maybe help. But Survivor Series, this is not a weekend that people are traveling to. And I think that was kind of evident this weekend when you're trying to do four straight nights at a one specific city.
0: Hmm. I think like part, part of that is probably because... Survivor Series hasn't traditionally been, mm, I guess, one of the more mm, talked about specials of the year, at least in comparison to Mania or Rumble, who I think are, which I think are, are, or even Summerslam. Like of the big four, it is certainly the weakest of the four. But you know, mm, I thought they had a great show on Sunday. Mm, maybe in the future they can make the stakes big enough that it becomes uh you know uh, on the level of the others
1: what did you see on Sur- survivor series i did not think it was a great show but what did you enjoy about the show
0: uh, i watched almost uh, most of the matches um i thought i thought a lot of the wrestling was just awesome like i i thought brock and aj man like i gasped at certain times and i think i think brock's run so far has been like really good and he's had a lot of great matches but like in in the match with AJ, like I thought it was just such a great like David Goliath match and like all of Brock's matches are like that almost, but this was like almost the best example of one where like the David was just like so likable and so good um and very believable, um and brutal. Like that match was just like you can you know you know that like aj was probably quite banged up and even brock i bet at the end of it um i thought the main event had a lot of kind of stories they had to fulfill a lot of storylines that i think needed to be um set up coming out of it i think the finish was maybe a little perplexing at the time but maybe you know um it'll i mean on this episode of raw i guess like a lot of those reasons were were probably explained and i thought like they did a good job of like creating moments you know of of matchups with connections of uh people that you don't typically see with each other all in all i just like i thought the main event did feel like it was something special and that it did feel like something unique that maybe you'd only get once a year um I still have a lot of complaints about the way it was set up and maybe a lot of improvements that I think could take place next year, but I thought they did a good job creating like a special vibe. Um, the, the two kind of, the three way between Shield and New Day was very good, I thought. Um, and I also thought the bar versus the Usos was, was excellent as well.
1: Yeah. There were some, I, I enjoyed, yeah. The six man and the, and the tag title match I thought was, uh, very good. Very good on a show that was very long and you could have lost the crowd. And I've got to say the Houston crowd three nights mm-hmm. in, you've gotten pretty good crowds out of this Houston audience, which if we're going to say there wasn't a lot of people traveling to these shows, I'm sure there was a lot of fans that have been going three nights in a row to these shows. So I think it's a credit to the people that did show up. Um, these have been lively crowds, I thought, three nights in a row.
0: Oh, they were fantastic on Raw, like hour one to three. I thought that would have been the toughest third night and also like a three hour Monday night Raw. But like they they were allowed all the way up until the main event.
1: Like I was dead during part of this show. I was just me, too. I've watched so much wrestling over the last two nights. I also made the grand error of watching that UFC event over the weekend, which was the longest UFC show in history. How long? It was something like. I don't know the exact number, but three hours and 40 minutes of actual fight time. There were 13 fights, 10 decisions. Um, there were some, the televised prelims were pretty good. And I thought the main event was actually pretty good with Fabricio Verdum and Marcin Tybura. But there were some just dull fights where it was just a long, long, long show. So there was a lot of stuff going on over the week. That New Japan show was 2.30, dude. Beautiful. Two hours, 30 minutes amazing. in and out. It was it
0: was great. No intermission needed.
1: The that was pretty much the exact time of takeover as well.
0: It really is a nice length. It's a 2 great hours length. with a bit of bit of overrun. Yeah.
1: Well, let us get into Raw. Stephanie McMahon started out the show. She came out saying Raw is now officially the A show, officially. So that's what was on the line. The tagline for the winning program. She says the chain learned to strike first, but she learned how to win. Kurt Angle's job is secure, and then she brings out the man that led Raw to victory, her husband, Triple H. Hunter comes out, but before he can even speak, Kurt Angle comes out. He is upset. He's upset more about last night than he was his son being attacked by this man last week. And he gets right into Hunter's face and says, this is not the GM talking, but the gold medalist and Hall of Famer, and threatens to go after Hunter if he ever double-crosses him again. Stephanie gets into Kurt's face, telling him not to jeopardize his career because Hunter is the COO. Out comes Jason Jordan, who tells Hunter to try and pedigree him now. And he wants a match with Triple H tonight and asks, are you a coward? Stephanie says that Hunter would make a mockery of Jordan. He isn't afraid of anyone in that locker room, which prompts Braun to come out, getting into Hunter's face. Who's got his programs lined up forever. And they just stared in each other's face for an uncomfortable long period of time as no one does anything until Hunter slowly backs down, leaves the ring. The crowd is chanting that he's a coward. And Stephanie then announces that we will make a match for tonight and it will be Jordan versus Strowman to cap off our opening segment and our only appearance of Stephanie and Hunter on this show.
0: Mm-hmm. Everyone's in line for Hunter, it seems.
1: Oh, Hunter, got, was, Hunter is the hot new heel that they can book yeah. for the next five years around, based on last mm-hmm. night. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, if that to me was my issue with the show, is just that everything felt built around Hunter. What's so bad about that, though? Because he's a limited character that I don't think you're going to get to all of these programs. And I think that... I think you will. I,
0: you, I mean, it was, it was concentrated in
1: one guy, as opposed to... And then you had about, I would say, seven non non non-supporting roles uh in this match who were just afterthoughts at the end of this match it was hunter and braun and to a lesser extent uh kurt and shane which of those four um i would say there's one guy in there that is one of your regular performers and the others i I just felt by the end of this match it was just not laid out in such a way where they came out with much if anything Uh,
0: yeah i get you but I, I also know that the way they promote their shows now is they want to build towards these special attractions as, you know, the, what they consider the actual difference makers. You know, or I'm talking guys like Goldberg or guys like Triple H and um, at this point, John Cena, who only – although he, he had a real kind of nothing um, appearance in that match too. But it seems like Triple H is somebody who they feel like could spike certain mm, – I don't know. But, uh it, it, b-show pay-per-views um or even a wrestlemania match which i'm sure some of these programs are set up for
1: and i'm fine with that i'm fine with hunter having a big program and it seems like it's braun but it's also shane and it's also kurt and Mm -hmm. realistically i mean that to me it's yeah maybe we'll get to all of these but hunter's probably not around again until the rumble for a match you would think and i mean maybe you get to kurt and then to braun but it was just – there was so much all centered around Hunter here. And I, I just don't know – like a, a Balor and Joe. It was like tonight you had to almost reset these two and and rehab them from the night prior. So, I mean, that's what you have to deal with with these Survivor Series. I mean, it's just uh, trying to book a match where you're trying to elevate guys, but you have to do all of these eliminations, and not everyone's going to come out um, – as strong as others and i think you just have to choose which guys are going to be your protected ones and last night it felt like your protected ones were hunter kurt and braun strowman those were like your three focal points which i think you can argue whether those are the three guys that were the most important to come out of that match unscathed so anyway um that it's was arguable our- that was our opening segment, and then we go to the aforementioned Finn Balor and Samoa Joe, who had their argument and leading to the eliminations on Sunday. Uh, Joe drops him with a right hand as they, stop, uh, as they start the match. Balor then kicks Joe from the top turnbuckle to the floor, hit a Topic Con Hero. They went through the break. Balor is on the edge of the apron, and his leg gets pulled out from underneath him, and Joe follows with a tope suicida, with Corey Graves stating that Joe could have imploded the Georgia Dome with that one. Did you see any videos of the Georgia drone, Dome being demolished today? Um, I heard about it. These videos uh, are I... everywhere. People. The best one was the Weather Channel put up a live cam so that they could capture the Dome being demolished. And right as the countdown ends for the demolition to begin and the stadium to crumble, a bus pulls up and blocks the view of the camera that's in a locked-off position. It's the best video ever.
0: It happens all the time when you're setting up
1: shots. Oh, man. I thought Always. I'd be watching this. Yeah. And then— uh, You just have to laugh at that point. Our friend Casey chimed in, stating— this happens every face-off with some fan getting in front of my shot with their 18-inch mm-hmm. iPad that blocks my shot. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the Georgia Dome. very Lots of wrestling history in the Georgia Dome. Bill Goldberg wa- defeating Hulk Hogan. One of the greatest WCW moments in history. Maybe the best Nitro moment ever for me. Mm. Balor missed with a seated dropkick. And then Joe immediately hit a senton, goes for the coquina clutch, Baller rolled, uh, rolled out, double foot stomp, and then he goes to the top, gets crotched, and Joe just tears him off the turnbuckle, applies the coquina clutch, and Baller goes out, and the bell is called. So Joe getting a dominant win here over Finn Balor.
0: Yeah, good match. These two just have absolutely great chemistry. Um, you can really just count on the both of these guys to just go out there and have a very entertaining match every single week. Um, I... I mean, uh, Joe, you know, being pushed, I think is a very healthy thing, but Balor's arc since the AJ match has been so weird. So he be- defeats AJ Styles at that pay per view. And then like two weeks later, or was it, was it the next day? I, think I it was don't the know. The
1: next night. It was, it was the, the night after.
0: The night after he loses to Kane. And then now he loses to Samoa Joe. So, I don't exactly know what's going on with him. It seems like they've just completely dropped any type of momentum that they were uh, looking to build for the guy. My only explanation is that perhaps they see now that this demon thing is like a crutch and that, um, you know, they feel like maybe regular Finn Balor is, uh, you know is okay to job out because he always has the demon in his back pocket that he can pull out to to kind of really uh you know um be a contender but i just i don't i I don't completely understand uh what they have in store for him
1: if we look ahead and assume that Brock Lesnar's next match is at the Royal Rumble, who do you see challenging Brock? I don't know who that guy is
0: on raw hmm let me think about this so uh,
1: your options mm, would be as presented now i mean reigns wouldn't be finn i almost think at this po- like finn had he been the one to pin cena last night i think you could have really put him on a big role to set up for the rumble and it just doesn't feel as though this guy is being groomed for lesnar um in two months and then no, your other options are rematches with Joe, mm-hmm. with Braun. I mean, mm-hmm. Seth Rollins, I guess, is an option, which, I mean, it just seems he's on he's a, a totally he's different in a path team. at the moment. I know, but who else is there?
0: Mm, I guess Roman, if you, but. At the Rumble? No, I guess not. You're saving that. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it, the thing is, if they wanted it to be Finn, like, let's say they wanted to make it the demon against Brock. They could, you know, like they could really push anybody. And Maybe it's
1: going to be and, Kane. Uh, <laughs> you kid, but I, I don't that's completely kid. Very possible. Well, there's it's got to be somebody and there's no immediate candidate that jumps out. Gender. At you. Jinder uh, K- Were you like me thinking during that AJ match What Jinder oh, yeah. and Brock would have looked like
0: Oh my god I, Well I was thinking about what Jinder looked like While he was watching that match Thinking thank god Oh my god thank god they pulled me out of this There's I no think- way I could have competed
1: with this That match would have been so awful They yeah, made I a so. wise choice Cole says the Survivor Series is in the rear view And now we look ahead to the Royal Rumble Which starts the road to Wrestlemania Just like that we are moving on and they showed a on sale video feature for WrestleMania tickets featuring Jeff Hardy in a sling. This poor guy they they flew him to New Orleans as he's rehabbing and got some camera time here. It's not that far. Well, North Carolina. It's listen, if you if you had the the injuries do, he had, would you would don't you they have have to a, go do this stuff? Don't they have a teleporter? Uh no, that was in Impact. Anderson oh, they, and Gallows. That. Anderson and Gallows did a WWE shop spot. This featured their new shirt, which is the Nerd O Meter. The highlight of this was Gallows doing his Austin impression. I could watch Gallows do these spots every single week. I thought you was, might. I thought he was in for
0: these. You might actually start because, like, I think. You know, you, we, you can look at this and be like, man, I can't believe they're putting Gallows and Anderson on WWE shop duty. But at the same time, like, I think they 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 kind of honestly these... one of
1: the best appearances Gallows has had since his comeback.
0: Well, they, they I feel like anytime they have somebody do one of these, it's almost a way to test them to see what they can do with the airtime that they're given, you know, and I thought Luke Gallows is somebody who is perfectly situated for something like this and I thought he stood out and did really well and you can tell like the guy desperately wants to show his personality to to his audience it's been a, a year now almost that these guys have come up and i think even till this point nobody uh, on their writing staff knows what to do with them it's I don't almost think been Vin-
1: it's coming up on 2 years since they were 2 years really yeah, yeah they came back in 2016
0: Oh my God! Wow. So I mean, in that time, like, I I still can't really tell you what they're about, and and you know, like, they know who they are about, but none of their storylines have really reflected uh, their actual personalities. And I'm not talking the testicle thing. I still don't know what that was, but um, it's it maybe it t- takes things like this for for guys like Luke Gallows to to really show what they're about and to to get somebody you know, in, in the booking committee to write something for him that fits.
1: Angle was backstage with Jordan. Jordan said, Dad, are you really going to let this match with Braun Strowman go through? And he tells Kurt, I'm actually not 100% hurt. My leg is really fucked up, <laughs> which was the closest we'll get to a DNA test of Jordan truly being the son of Kurt Angle, lying about how injured he really is. And he said he was just 100% because Triple H was out there. He just said it. Angle <laughs> thinks this match is a bad idea. Jordan says, I'll go ahead with the match because Kurt's blood is coursing through my veins. And says when he's done with Braun, Braun will be telling horror stories about me. So he so he said he
0: was 100% because he wanted to fight Triple H or simply just to... Yeah, that's why, that's why he said he was 100%, right?
1: Yeah, I guess he thought he was calling Hunter's bluff. And if Hunter had actually taken the bait, I think Jordan would have been fucked then. But he wasn't expecting that. Do you think so? Like what I'm trying to – why
0: I think this is important is because I'm trying to think now whether or not he, him saying that it, are the actions of a heel or a baby face. Oh, Obviously, certainly
1: the actions of a heel here. I think lying to his lying. father. And second, if we really want to look into – if they're really thinking attention to detail – if Jordan ends up aligning himself with Hunter, this could well, be... Well, for sure. No doubt. Exactly. But how?
0: It could, but I think how you can... Um, you know, how that could be... How him lying could be in the actions of a babyface would be if he was lying so that he could get a match with Triple H.
1: No. Despite heel, him being hurt. The heel line was not that he lied about being healthy. It's the fact that now he's trying to back himself out of this match with Braun Strowman rather than yes. just go ahead... And be hurt. He was trying to get... He was trying to weasel his way out of the match. That was the heel action here.
0: Yeah. He's a well, coward. Well, I would... Yeah, absolutely. But, um, again, like... Would he really lie and challenge Triple H? Simply thinking that Triple H would not accept?
1: Well, exactly. There's no These way? two are working together. He knew Hunter wasn't going to accept this.
0: Oh, okay. That's so okay. they're already working together. Yeah.
1: He agreed he'll take a pedigree or... They weren't on the same page a week ago, but he learned that he it's better to join Triple H than be on his bad side. And now he's going to leave him for the man that can truly be a father figure to him, Hunter. Damn. This will be Uh-oh. like the Sandman-Raven angle. With the child going over mm. to Raven and the dark side. Oscar versus Dana Brooke, which mm. I've got to say, the Survivor Series certainly felt like Felt like this was Asuka's real introduction on the main roster. I think she benefited a lot from—that was not a great match, but Asuka got over very strong in that match, and that trickled over into tonight, I thought.
0: Completely. Certainly. I thought uh, having her be the sole survivor
1: was really a a really solid introduction for her. We had an insert promo from Dana. Who says Oscar cost her her spot on the Survivor Series team? She's been studying the Oscar collection on the WWE Network, and Oscar has holes in her game, and she's going to take away Oscar's undefeated streak. This was—I don't—I give her a lot of credit for saying this in such a serious tone. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, when
0: she actually debuted like last month, I feel like the the whole unde- unbeaten streak was kind of uh, understated, if at all. But here in this promo, but from Dana and also in Cole's commentary, they were making specific mention of that streak.
1: Yeah, and I think you're getting Asuka. I wouldn't even say um, she just feels a lot more loose and that charisma is coming through a lot more than Mm -hmm. it did those matches with Emma, for instance. I think she just, I don't know, maybe she's not doing anything different, but it just seemed like she had more of that confidence here. Uh, coming out of the Survivor Series, just in her presentation, uh, definitely. She, she never the crowd. Yep, go ahead. Sure. Oh, I was going to say, and the crowd's starting to take to her more too. Yeah, yeah. She definitely benefited from this crowd. Uh, she hit Dana with a hip attack, sending her off the apron, and then mocked Dana's posing in the ring. She kicked at Dana while holding on to the wrist. Dana slapped her. Oscar slapped back, hit a spinning backhand and a kick to the head, winning in two and a half minutes. And Booker saying. Ichiban number one, and Michael Cole just laughed at this guy. <laughs> it just seems Booker is just the the resident idiot of the three man announce team, and they seem to have like this is kind of oh always, it's got he's always been in that role, but it seems heightened over the last weekend because that was the whole Survivor Series broadcast.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it's like Booker doing anything differently than he has been, but certainly the other two are almost like. Ah, uh, it's almost uncomfortable to listen to sometimes. Oh, like him and
1: Byron were terrible together on Sunday. I just couldn't stand it.
0: Uh, I I just mean like even Colin Graves, like piling on Booker. You know what I mean? Um and I'd love to know like exactly what's going on in those headsets, what type of what types of meetings the announcers announcers are having after and before the match uh the shows. Because it's almost like it's almost like um maybe like two older brothers making fun of like a younger brother you know and and, and t- except in this case i think the oldest person is booker t i
1: think graves um, senses when it's getting to be too much because then he'll start to kind of defend booker and come to his aid whereas cole just piles on and i think that's just cole's nature
0: i feel like it's, it's already been way too much and i don't know i have to wonder i i know there are people that are probably entertained by it all but I still find it distracting, and I don't necessarily think it's the best representation of, of broadcasters that you can come up with in the company.
1: Miz TV was next with the Miztourage in the ring. Miz said that Corbin is now more relevant than ever, but he's an A-lister on the A-show, and he has more important things to tend to than Baron Corbin. He welcomes Roman Reigns, and Roman doesn't come out. And then finally, the Shields' music plays, and all three come out through the crowd. Miz says just Reigns was his guest, not all three. Ambrose notes how good they're feeling after beating the New Day. They haven't missed a step. And Rollins calls themselves the most dominant three-man team in WWE history. And they're unstoppable. Miz takes credit for the Shield reunion, stating it only happened because of him. And this resulted in the crowd chanting, Thank you, Miz. And he wants some of their merchandise money. Then the crowd starts chanting, Miz is awesome. And the Shield played off of this by stating this is a a chant they have never heard. And I thought Reigns handled it pretty well because he said that Miz should be thanking Houston, and it allowed Miz the opening to just heel on the crowd for chanting in favor of him. Miz then notes that he may have lost last night, but he's a champion, whereas none of them are. Rollins says him and Dean are going to win the tag titles again. And then Roman teases going after the Miz's title. Dallas notes that Roman has to go through both him and Axel first, so they drop Dallas. Miz runs away, Axel remains with his neck brace and gets hit with the King's Landing and Dirty Deeds. The crowd started chanting for Dallas, and they beat him down three-on-one, and it ended with a triple powerbomb to Bo Dallas as Miz watched from the aisle.
0: Well, this crowd was certainly turning the Miz, and it's really interesting to see because I think he's been very... Like, on SmackDown, he was always really good, but I think since... In recent months on Raw, he's been really consistent with his quality of promo. And he's certainly become a standout on the show. Uh, And I think at this point, you'll have certain crowds that will be very kind of vocal about their respect for him, for his ability. Um, In a way, he's almost like in a bit of an, ironically for him, a Daniel Bryan role, where I think the fans are starting to feel like the Miz is more talented than what is reflected by his push. I mean, this guy just jobbed to Baron Corbin. But he's clearly far more talented than somebody like Baron Corbin. And I think it's almost creating a bit of sympathy for him amongst the crowd.
1: Man, they should have had Baron just beat him in 20 seconds or whatever it was. Like Seamus and Bryan. Maybe really, I, this crowd would have just all gone yeah. behind him.
0: I guess that's what they – those are the actions that they feel like – were what caused Daniel Bryan to be successful, yes.
1: So this led to the announcement that The Miz would take on Roman Reigns tonight for the Intercontinental title. Charlie interviewed Braun Strowman and is asked about Jordan stating he's not afraid of him. So Strowman says, good, that makes Jordan different from everyone else, including Triple H. So where do you see Braun and Hunter? Hunter? taking place because that seems to be the match they are teasing the most. Could you see that Uh, happening at the rumble? Do you think that could be something uh, saved beyond that? Because I think that could be a good program for Braun and for Hunter. Certainly.
0: I think so. Uh, Now, who do you have coming out of it? Because.
1: Oh, it's a program for Braun. A hundred percent.
0: I think every program right now is kind of for Braun. Um, But you know do you do it in january as a build up to hunter and angle um,
1: teased. I mean Certainly I just teased.
0: you can you can really do anything but like you've also got kane that we don't know exactly when they'll fi- have like a, a match that kind of settles everything um maybe maybe you're right and it's not really leading to that final match um but I suppose if Angle and Hunter is your WrestleMania program, your only big chance to do it would be
1: how? How many Rumble. programs are Braun and Hunter involved in at the moment? Well, you have a lot of TV time, John. And you yeah, know what? Two, and two guys that we're going to build <laughs> all our feuds around. It's just going to be Braun and Hunter fighting everybody for hey, the next
0: year. In real life, come on. There's probably one, one more than one person you disagree with at one time.
1: Uh so that's where things are going and I I don't have an inis- uh, an issue with the Braun Hunter program. I think that could be a very good program. Um I think any program w- that you have fans reacting to uh
0: even if it's something that is uh on the table while this person gets done with another feud. I think it's always good to ha- to build some early anticipation.
1: Yeah, I just see Braun and Hunter, though, to do that match, it can't just be your, your typical big Hunter match where it's gotta be 20 minutes and it's gonna look a certain way because that is not Braun's strength. And they have to cater this to Braun's strengths because we have, we've seen his limitations. As much as the improvements this guy's made over the last year, he, he still is a guy that does have, uh, certain limitations and, uh, doing a 20, plus-minute match with Hunter is not is not benefiting him. Hmm. Sheamus versus Dean Ambrose was next. We had Rollins and Cesaro at ringside. Sheamus was in control early, and he starts working on the right shoulder of Ambrose. They went through a commercial break. Sheamus had Ambrose in a stretch muffler. Then he works on the arm of Ambrose. He's hyperextending it, getting a lot of heat for this beatdown. Ambrose recovers. Sheamus runs shoulder-first into the post. Ambrose makes his comeback, Then Sheamus got knocked off the turnbuckle to the floor, got caught with a forearm as Ambrose, or he hit Ambrose with a forearm as he went for the suicide dive. Cesaro then attacked Rollins from behind on the floor. Ambrose climbed up, kicked Cesaro off the apron. Sheamus struck him, hit a rolling fireman's carry for a near fall, and then Rollins just entered the ring, dove to the floor, taking out Cesaro, and Ambrose hit the dirty deeds, pinning Sheamus, and presumably a tag title match, which... Probably is just going to happen on television because we have such a long period uh, between big shows for Raw. Yeah, sure.
0: And and do you think that they win it back?
1: uh, Yeah, I could see them just doing the deal where The Shield has titles, all all three of them. I could see that happening. Yeah, why not? I mean, I don't think it matters one iota if Ambrose and Rollins have the titles or not, but... It's something you could do. Matt Hardy is in the locker room uh, getting his rundown of what uh, what he has to do tonight on the show. And Jason Jordan walks in and mentions that Matt has faced Braun in the past and wants some advice. And Matt says, yeah, this is the talk of the locker room, this match. And Jordan notes his leg isn't fully healed and what should he do? And Matt mentions some of the big men he's faced, Mark Henry, the big show, Brock Lesnar. And it is a fact that Braun is a monster among men and says his strength feels inhuman. And he goes over all the lessons he's learned in the WWE. The biggest lesson, the biggest lesson Matt Hardy has learned from his time in the WWE is that sometimes it isn't your night. What a, what a defeatist attitude. Matt Hardy is adopted here. The guy who once had a shirt that said, Matt Hardy will not die unless it's not your night. Then you perish.
0: Yeah. What a jerk.
1: This was the worst pep talk ever. Yeah. This was almost, uh, I think even Shane's was better last week on TV.
0: Yeah. Like nobody see. ever go to Matt Hardy again for, for any type of motivation. That's, that's some really poor mo- mentoring right there. Yeah. Um, Matt, is not even there's there are no hints at whatsoever of any broken Matt Hardy stuff now. He's ponytailed up his hair. He's a straight up veteran pro wrestler, mentor, Matt Hardy.
1: Yep. yeah
0: He's He's given up. He's given up on, on all hope of, of getting this character over or, or getting like even if he does own the character. It doesn't seem like the company wants it. He's
1: in a very uh he's in a very difficult position at the moment. And without Jeff, I mean he's just kind of uh existing on this show at the moment. And I actually enjoyed um, you know, his performance against Elias on the pre-show on Sunday, but I mean it's just it's not a, a pushed role, as we will get into later. Alexa Bliss came out looking depressed after her loss to Charlotte, and she ranted about all the social media pity she received from people and doesn't need it. She knows that she performed well and only had five days to get ready for Charlotte, who got lucky. 2017 has still been her year, and there's not a woman on this planet that can hold a candle to her. So this prompts the parade of potential challengers to come out. We had Mickey James come out. Then Bailey came out. Then we had Sasha Banks, and then we had Alicia Fox all making their case for why they should be the next one to get the the title shot. And you know what all of these women had in common way? Not one of them was a survivor on the Women's Survivor Series team. And yet, Kurt Angle came out to make a fatal four-way involving these women where the Mm -hmm. winner would get a title shot. That's very true. Why wasn't Asuka out here? I mean, it was kind of just... This segment just made uh, no sense to me. Like, Bailey coming out, it's almost comical (laughs) now. This this girl loses every single week on TV and lasted five minutes in this match. And she's out here looking for a title match.
0: Well, at least they've all lost. So, like, they're kind of in equal standing, aren't they? They're all losers. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, this was a very predictable segment. Like, you really could have just kind of taken it Right out of a pre-programmed career, career mode from a video, video game or something. Yeah. One per, one by one, when each person comes out, demands a title shot, and then they all make a match together. I, but, say, um,
1: I say this mm-hmm. makes little sense, not having Asuka here. I would have hated to see Asuka be part of this. Being like I, n- challenger yeah. number four to cut her 30-second promo for why she deserves a title match. I do not want to see Asuka part of segments like this there's a reason all of these women feel trivial and it's because yeah. they're just, they're just people here one after the other coming out and doing the exact same thing. The last person did.
0: Yeah. I thought that Alexa uh, did well here though. I think she, her and, uh, AJ have some of the toughest jobs of anyone coming out of survivor series because their credibility as champions and, you know, uh, by association, the cred- credibility of the entire division kind of rests on their ability to and cut a good promo or to just like present themselves as you know people feeling legitimate and people feeling special following their losses the nights prior so i thought she sounded good had very good confidence and you know came across pretty well
1: i may have missed this on the show but usually they have a number of ads throughout the show for smackdown the next night and on sunday they were pumping up the fact that it would be AJ versus Jinder, uh, for the title on Tuesday night. And I don't know if there were any, I, I don't know if I heard any mention of that, uh, throughout this show. It may have been in there. Um, but we will see that's supposed to be happening on Tuesday night. Bliss called this whole thing, a colossal waste of time, not wrong. And none of them deserve a title shot. This is when Kurt comes out and makes the fatal four way and stated that SmackDown isn't the B show. But they are the show. Make that of whatever you will. So SmackDown
0: Smackdown proved that they aren't a B B show. Yes. But Raw proved that they are the show.
1: Yeah. So does that make it the show and SmackDown becomes the what show? I mean, by default. Do they assume the A position that Raw has given up for a higher platitude? What's higher than A? The. They are the (laughs) show. (laughs) <laughs> They're above these letters.
0: I'd never learned that, and went while learning the alphabet. The
1: is before a. The ABC. You call it the alphabet. They they Very run. True. They run the shit.
0: Wow. Uh.
1: Well. Great for them. And great for these four for this uh, fatal four way. Uh, we have nothing to say here. They they went through a commercial break. We came back. Uh, Mickey and Alicia were down, and then. Paige's music hits. Paige, Paige comes out, gets a pretty strong reaction. She says she missed everyone. They chant welcome back. And then she says, I didn't come alone. And she walks down to the ring and out come, comes Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville from the crowd to attack Mickey. Sasha tries to fight them off. She gets dropped with a clothesline from Rose. Bailey tries to fight them and gets attacked by Paige. Fox just bails and runs to the back in fear, ending with a rampage to Bailey. And then afterwards, they're backstage, and Renee goes to interview these three. Who I don't—they were using the the word allegiance a lot, the announcers. So maybe that's what they're going to be called, which is a pretty weak name. But I guess uh, submission sisters is still not uh, an option for Sub- a pay- submission but, sorority. Oh, that's what they changed after they looked up and Googled submission sisters, right?
0: No, Submission Sorority was, that, was the bad one.
1: Oh, that was the porn yeah. group. Yeah. So Renee interviews the three, and Bliss walks up, says that, and she's kissing up to these three, and says Paige doesn't have to explain their actions. The others got what they deserve. Paige introduces Bliss to Rose and Deville. Bliss says, Nice to meet you. They stare her down and then beat the hell out of Bliss and leave her laying. So that was the introduction of Mandy Rose and Sonia Deville to the main roster with page i thought a good debut uh
0: first of all i think it's got to be nerve-wracking if you're page making this return not really knowing how this audience is going to react to you for the first time in a year in a year where a lot of shit's gone down in your life but this was an overwhelmingly very good very positive reaction from this crowd towards page channing welcome back um Clearly a welcome addition back to the main roster for her. Um, It's interesting that they decided to pair Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville with her. I I suppose the connection may be tough enough uh, where Paige judged that season. Um, But it's also, I think, interesting that they've decided to push Mandy Rose, who, as far as I know, in NXT was kind of like your Eva Marie type of character. Uh, but here, she's being portrayed as a very serious threat, almost like a silent killer, you know? And even Corey wasn't doing that over-the-top fawning thing like like he used to do for her in NXT. So I like it. I think it's it's more beneficial, at least to the matches, to have a group being posed as serious threats rather than kind of off-the-wall, goofy gimmicks.
1: Yeah, so... I thought it was a good introduction for them, and it's some some fresh uh, talent in this women's division, which I think we've just kind of run through. Um, Bailey and Sasha, which is unfortunate that we're saying this, but they've just been so hampered down that you want to see some fresh blood in this raw women's division. And this is going to create mm-hmm. some new matches, the obvious one being Bliss and Paige to start, which almost kind of... Baby faces bliss, if that is the intended program to start with. Mm-hmm. Braun and Jason Jordan, they didn't have much of a match. Uh, Jordan struck Braun and then bailed to the floor. He tried to come back in and lift Braun, but his leg gave out. And then Braun just hit him with a beal and a splash. Jordan avoided the power slam, goes back to the floor. And this is when Kane returned from the depths of hell and clipped the knee of Braun disqualification is called bell rings and then he beats up braun with a chair ending with the chair being placed on braun's throat and driven into the steps and braun is selling that he can't breathe he won't let the medical assistants help him and braun was just choking to death as he went up the ramp and to the back
0: good effective mm, physicality with the stunt that I think was so simple but like i thought it was so effective and i thought Brian's selling of it was so good that i much preferred a chair to the throat than being stuffed into a garbage compactor uh and i i almost felt like it was just as serious you know a man's trachea was crushed not his
1: body but you know the trachea which is much more believable so you know what i want so badly <laughs> for this cane feud yeah. Ron returns what? with a voice box. Wow! Everything comes full circle for
0: Kane. Mask. Oh, he should, he should be burnt. Should have. Yeah. The, well, we have a few weeks left for him to be lit on fire.
1: You imagine if they had just stuck with Kane using that voice box, and now we could have a two guys with voice boxes cutting promos. Man, <laughs> think of that contract signing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, first of all, it'd be I really want to see slow. This so badly. Yeah. It would be really slow. It would also sound like mm, know, like
1: a monster among men.
0: Like a Stephen Hawking uh rap. Yeah. Battle.
1: That could be great. Yeah. This is why we anyway. we're not in charge of any any of these programs. Mm-hmm. But I hope Braun should have something like where he can't talk or something. This should be. I, I don't. I don't think they'll do that.
0: They are so protective of this guy. They I doubt that they would want to. First of all, that would have that would be having him sell too much. Like Braun Strowman should be strong enough that he can, first of all, resist being compacted in a dumpster. Secondly, he can. He's probably like inflammable. Like you probably can't even light him on fire. Okay.
1: So they can have an eternal ser- match. That would make sense for Kane.
0: Sure. But, like, uh, certainly, I don't think his voice will be damaged. Not for long.
1: So, based on this, the return of Kane, and that seems to be the immediate focus for Braun, it doesn't even feel like Hunter's even going to be around much. Like, he might not even come back till Rumble time. Like so, there's that, no I mean,. Place they- for him on the show, which is weird well, because he was. So much was built around him. But he doesn't really feel like he has a role while Braun is with Kane. I
0: think, I mean, I would, I would almost feel like his more immediate program is the Jordan Angle, Jordan. Angle thing, and I think there's still a role for him to, to, to do something like that. Um, maybe in something farther down the line. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, it's also like, you know, I, guess I it's think just them,
1: weird. it's like he just doesn't. If you have him there weekly like he mm-hmm. essentially overrides Kurt as an authority figure. So you just have to have a reason I guess to have him there.
0: He doesn't he doesn't though. He like not his wife does, but he doesn't,
1: I don't think. Yeah. Well, that is all uh you could, It's just like it, I, I know he'll be a Jordan little could, be, Turn could very much be tied to aligning with with Hunter.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I feel like at this point it's better for them to have options rather than, you know, even if they're, it might seem like too many options. Like they have a lot of shows to do. So I'm sure they're, they're looking at the Tuesday or sorry, the, the February pay-per-view and thinking what they can fill that with. And that's always, you know, that maybe that would be a good spot for Braun versus Triple H.
1: After the break, they updated. Braun is refusing medical attention and Corey Graves thinks that is a very bad idea because at the end of the day, he is still a human being. Enzo comes out with the Zo Train. Drew Gulak, Tony Nese, Noam Dar, and Arya Davari. Graves is stating we've all got the shtick by now from Enzo. I don't know if you noticed this, but of late Enzo has been wearing this this gear from this skateboard company out of New York and it's called Supreme and he was wearing a headband, a robe and his gloves all from this one company. So yeah, yeah. WWE does not allow for you to get outside sponsors unless you are Brock Lesnar. And I think Cena had a, a deal briefly. So I don't know if this guy's doing this on his own or what, but this seems to be, I don't know. It's just something I noted.
0: Right. I, I mean, I, I also feel like Supreme is probably like a big enough brand amongst like millennials that it can just kind of, it's kind of like Nike now. And have people worn Nike on, on WWE TV? I guess now they can't because they're what? Under, are they Under Armour?
1: Yeah. Tap out.
0: Oh, they're tap out. Right. Yes. They're probably a bit more careful with it now. I, I don't, I, I, I don't know if Enzo would be sponsored by,
1: Supreme or not. It's one thing to have like you know some some one thing of your gear would be a Nike thing but this is he was a billboard for this company and it's just it's just strange because this is so unlike WWE unless they have some relationship which they just they don't make those outside sponsorship deals for guys.
0: I'm curious to know if he if he's actually endorsed by them, but I could also just see as you know Enzo trying to I don't even know if like that's official Supreme like do they make like a what was it like a like a jaguar print um bathrobe Did they do that
1: probably custom for him
0: so so maybe he got it from um like a, a pirate bootleg store or something in which case yeah. it, it would be okay
1: so enzo is out and he goes one by one stating what all these guys are thankful for for thanksgiving and yeah, not, none of it was all that clever. It ended with Gulak saying that this infrastructure, being 205 Live, has grown 23% this year, as a testament to Enzo's drawing power. They get interrupted by the baby faces coming out Rich Swan, Cedric Alexander, Mustafa Ali, and Akira Tozawa, who don't want to join the ZO train. They want an opportunity at the Cruiserweight title, but unlike these suck ups, they want to earn it. Enzo tells them to get out of their way, and Swan says to make them calling Enzo just a catchphrase and a t-shirt when he doesn't have his guys with him. A brawl ensues, and as the brawl, as everyone's brawling, Michael Cole says, we didn't see this coming, and Booker just responds, really? <laughs> like, we had eight guys in the <laughs> ring, and you're stunned that this uh, escalated to a brawl. And then it turned into an eight-man tag, uh, went about uh, just over four minutes, ending with uh, Alexander getting in for a hot tag, and he was able to hit a handspring into an enziguri. Lumbar check to Nice, and Ali came off the top with the reverse 450, pinning Noam Dar, and Enzo just managed at ringside, and that was it. That was it. I have nothing to add to that. It was a match. It was a match. That was it. Uh, They recapped Strowman putting Kane through the ring last week, and then Renee is outside the trainer's room looking for an update when Kurt Angle comes up repeats that Braun has refused any medical attention and will address Kane at a later date. He walks into the trainer's room, and the camera just follows in. Uh, Thus, we didn't really need Renee here to report on things. The cameraman's on top of all of this. And Jason Jordan's being tended to. His leg is hurt, and he feels he let Kurt down tonight. So Miz walks into the trainer's room and wants the match with Reigns canceled because Reigns has not earned a title shot. Kurt, the rankings... And Jordan says that Matt Hardy was right—that Braun is a monster among men. Uh, this after Kurt denied Miz's request to cancel our main event for tonight. Yeah, what
0: do you think was the purpose of this sketch?
1: Just to make Jordan look like more of a dork each week, mm. so that he can eventually turn.
0: Mm.
1: It worked. He just—he just comes off as such a, a loser.
0: That I think okay means. so so is the idea to make him look like a loser or to make him look like a some like you know a manipulative conniving you know a bit of a coward but ultimately somebody who's doing all this to get the better of kurt angle
1: he doesn't come across as really deceptive he comes across as like too naive as though uh which I guess maybe... So,
0: but according to, you know, let's say the, the theory that he is currently working with Triple H, what, what, what is the purpose of, of being naive even at this point? You know, let's say he's working with Triple H right now.
1: He's getting Kurt into a false sense of security where Jordan feels that he's letting his father down when really he's just getting his father into a vulnerable place and then he's going to attack him. Oh, he's stressing him out on purpose. Yeah. Kurt's worried about his son not living up to the huge legacy. Meanwhile, Jordan already knows, I'm a bigger star than you ever were, dad. Wow. Spoken like and, a, a like a father actually. I think I think you know Yeah. You know what? They sh- they could I wish this was happening around May, but maybe Jordan's going to show up at TV with with matching raw shirts, but instead of raw You're going to have the raw logo, or the text, and it's going to say Dad and Son. All right? And he's going to get Kurt to wear his Dad shirt. And then at the end of the night, Jordan's going to turn on his father. He's going to be laid out. And where it reads Dad, he's going to spray paint an E after the D. Oh. Oh, I see. Nice. Dead beat. Dad beat Dad. (laughs) million ways some of that was this. good some of that i no, think was we good. Were, we were going good i just i pushed too far there yeah
0: yeah well um we'll edit some of that out before we no, upload this show no.
1: we throw it we throw it all in there yeah whether i'm correct or incorrect about people's grand slam lineages we'd keep it all in
0: well, what was the mistake there what what did charlotte win
1: all right i'm gonna i'm gonna slightly contest it okay because she brought up that she was a grand slam champion yeah last night and I'm in my head thinking, like, what are, what are these four championships? And I'm thinking the NXT title, mm-hmm. the, the women's title Raw. Raw, and the women's title on SmackDown. Oh, and the because Divas? In my head, in my head I, I didn't separate the Divas title from the women's title. Yeah, that's stupid. Like they, they renamed the title. So my argument, fine. If that's four, then realistically, because when they changed the Divas title... It became the women's title, and then that women's title got changed when the draft took place to the Raw women's title. So really, you yeah. could argue she's had five titles if we're going to count name changes.
0: Um, I mean, I agree. I I think all these like if they don't concurrently exist, I don't think they should count. You know what I mean? I
1: think it's I think it's a bullshit if if you're going by this Grand Slam title. Yeah, I mean, the Grand, women's title. I mean, it's so fractured with just name changes. That Grand, it just sounds – it's just goofy.
0: Grand Slam just sounds nice, I, I suppose, as an achievement. Like, you can't say, she, she got a triple. <laughs> <laughs> like, you didn't
1: even score a point
0: with a triple. Doesn't sound impressive at all.
1: They literally just had Lita cut a promo at WrestleMania, and suddenly – she she was a new champion here because we're renaming this belt. Yeah. You're now a woman. That's not you're not a diva any no, longer.
0: I'm with you. That's it's this shouldn't count.
1: But anyway, um many people let me know this. That was my Monday. Elias was in the ring. Well we He's should contest very... we should contest
0: this Roman Reigns Reigns uh crane slam win too. Let's see if oh, that we'll
1: fits. go through his lineage uh, after tonight too. Elias uh has written a song. He is stopped by a chance of "Let's Go Astros," to which Elias says, "The season is over. Grow up. Grow up." He starts singing about beating Matt Hardy and gets interrupted by Matt Hardy. And Matt is still selling his left arm from the match last night, which is a, a commitment. Cole says that Jeff Hardy is a singer too, and Matt can appreciate Elias's music. Imagine Elias and Jeff Hardy in a sing. Oh my
0: God. Maybe uh, opening for
1: peroxygen. (laughs) Peroxygen with a question mark. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Elias uh... avoided a twist of fate and bailed. And the announcers are basically saying, like, didn't we settle this last night? Like, there was no controversy coming out of this match on Sunday, but this will continue. And this is Matt Hardy's fate for the near future. Do you you see much um, for
0: Elias beyond kind of this, like, pseudo comedy act of him doing the the, the songs. Like well, I
1: think he's a good character.
0: I think I'm he I think he's great him. in this role. Like I don't I'm not saying he needs to go for the world championship at all. But like do you, no. you think that that's they're 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 planning that for him down the line or you know who is,
1: I see you know who I see him very much? He is like the raw version to me of Jinder Mahal where it's a it's a fine character, but there's a ceiling to where he should be.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I see them very similar. And I like the character. I just, I don't really get into this guy's matches. It's just, it's very basic, Mm -hmm. very basic stuff. And Matt Hardy, I thought, did a very good job with him on Sunday. Main event was the Miz and Roman Reigns for the Intercontinental title. The title that we would learn later has eluded Roman Reigns his entire career. This has always been on his bucket list way. That IC (laughs) title
0: hmm yes he's tried many times
1: yes uh we won't go through everything here um we had reigns call for the superman punch on a number of occasions with Miz retreating to the floor or getting out of the way reigns leaped off the steps on the floor and got caught with a boot to the gut and a follow-up ddt he beat the count back inside the ring and this is where Miz took over he hits the it kicks and booker just says they're good kicks they're good kicks Reigns is up, hits a slow and drop for a two count. Reigns then calls for another Superman punch and Miz sidesteps, goes for the skull-crushing finale. That's avoided by Roman. And then the knee of Roman gets clipped. Miz gets another near fall, comes off the top with a double sledge and is hit with the Superman punch. Miz kicks out. Sheamus then runs down to distract Reigns. There's a skull-crushing finale to Reigns for another near fall. Sheamus and Cesaro at ringside. Rollins and Ambrose run down fighting them off and this sets up the Match-ending spear from Roman Reigns, who pins The Miz at 16 minutes, 25 seconds, and Graves notes that Reigns has become a Grand Slam champion. As The Shield celebrates to end the show. Grand Slam Grand trans- Slam champion. Okay, no, let's contest. Yeah, go ahead. Well, let's see. He has had the WWE title. He has had the U.S. title, the IC title. And the shield did have some version of the tag titles in all of this. Also, so he's already won, won the U.S. title,
0: isn't he? Already yeah, a Grand the Slam.
1: Title.
0: Okay, but wait a second, though. So the Grand Slam would, would be, be the fourth. Grand Slam would be the World title, a secondary title, which could either be the U.S. or the IC, right? Uh
1: huh. Okay. Grand Slam would mean four different titles.
0: Okay, so then four of a different, like four different tiered titles.
1: Oh, I, I don't know how they they differentiate.
0: That's how I differentiate them. Like, cause he so 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 let's say you win the WWE title, or sorry, you win and, and you also win the Universal title, and then you win the SmackDown tag titles and the Raw tag titles. That doesn't make you a Grand Slam champion. You see what I mean? Because uh-huh. you're, you're winning essentially two of the same belt.
1: Oh, so you view the IC and US. Well, I think they just look at it as separate titles, much like I guess the first Grand Slam champion would have been Shawn Michaels. And they looked at yeah. the IC and European titles as separate. Those are separate.
0: I don't, never, I, I thought I always saw European as a, a tier below the IC because it's one continent as opposed to intercontinents.
1: Oh okay, this is getting spacey. Oh, but I, I don't. I don't think they they thought this deeply. Again, grand
0: slam just sounds good. Okay, even if the guy has already achieved this, like what I would consider grand slam, would be a world level title, a secondary
1: title, tag title, and the rumble of which he's won. Oh, the rumble you would put in. Well, he's won that too. He's won that multiple
0: times. I know. So so then I would. Con- but even then,
1: I feel like he's. What's the term okay. above grand slam? You can't do anything more. You need a new sport. Walk off grand slam? Like can you can we come up with 6 so that, that it can be a touchdown? What's like without a without the point conversion?
0: What's the bigger meal you can get at Denny's beyond a grand slam?
1: I don't eat at Denny's, so I can't answer uh, that
0: question. Okay. All right, okay, okay, okay. There's actually a Wikipedia
1: um article about grand slam, okay? The a funniest grand- part about this is that this used to be something like fans would really I think it, I think something it still, is, still is. It. I don't think anyone. Well, I bet hey, you we're talking about it guys. right now.
0: Okay, all right. There's a lineal thing out out there about who the lineal champion is.
1: Do we okay. know who the lineal champion is currently?
0: So last night, are we talking MMA or pro wrestling? Because like, well, let's go pro with, wrestling. With MMA, isn't it? Wasn't it Connor? And then didn't Floyd end up winning it? And then
1: well, that was the the brawl for all um oh. lineal championship. The WWE lineal championship. I'm looking ah, this I don't even care
0: anymore. Okay,
1: we'll go through our grand slam criteria.
0: Um, ahead. I'm trying to trying to see. Okay, S- see how they determine it. Okay, grand slam originally used by Sean to describe, but himself winning the Euro, WWE, IC, and tag team. Blah blah blah. Oh, I don't want to read all this. Okay. Wrestlemania 31 in 2015, WWE established an updated version of the Grand Slam consisting of the four then-active men's titles in the WWE, the WWE, IC, United, and the Tag Team Championships. Okay, Eight wrestlers have been recognized as Grand Slam champions under these new parameters, including four who were already recognized as Grand Slam winners blah, 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 blah. With the brand extension reestablished, WWE indicated in 2017 that the WWE Universal and SmackDown tag team titles are acceptable substitutes for their counterpart titles as part of the Grand Slam. All right. Sure, I buy it.
1: Does that that satisfy your... It's fine.
0: I mean, to me, I just see like the US and the IC as the Raw and SmackDown versions of of those brands or of those Mm -hmm. titles, but who
1: cares? In the end, <laughs> no. Everyone should care. All right, let's. Um, quickly, I'm just gonna chat about the the Kevin Owens 365 yeah. special from uh Sunday because um I didn't get a chance to do this uh, to watch this before we did the so, Survivor Series recap.
0: Before we start, how are these different from like the 24s? Obviously, they're dealing with a year instead of one day. Okay.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's more just the structure, and this didn't feel like they started this in 2016 with the idea of following this guy around. It was more, let's just cobble together footage. We have shot of this guy over the year and we'll dedicate, um, a shooting day at the end to reflect on his year. Like it just like they, they relied on stuff from ride along that that took up uh, a segment on Mm. this. It's, it's about 43 minutes. Um, it's it's really good because of the subject. Kevin Owens is a great interview subject, a guy who is, in this case, brutally honest about his self-assessment of his run in the WWE over the past year, and it was a very interesting run. Um, the lone negative I'm going to place on this is that the narrator for this is Michael Rappaport, and it's awful. Really? It's like a... Oh, God. Dude. I thought, I, I like thought that would be good. It's like a morning show radio host out of new york that's just kevin owens had to get over the sting of mania, and he was gonna <laughs> move on with chris jericho oh my god he was awful i never want to hear this he's got a narrate. thick he's got a thick new york accent right i think he's from boston
0: oh a boston accent
1: oh my god but he
0: was like playing playing it up like like he was like a radio announcer
1: Oh, I think he was trying to be serious, which made it even worse. Like, it was just, I just thought it did not fit the tone of this at all. I was like, just, just, this didn't even need a narrator. Like, there was enough here. Like, God, just tell me the location, the day, and Kevin Owens will carry this. Uh, There was plenty of footage they had of him. This did not even require a narrator. So, the time period is SummerSlam of 2016 until SummerSlam of this past year and owens describes the entire year as extreme highs <clears throat> extreme highs and extreme lows and he talks about the fact that he's never happy with where his career is at he is always looking for more and to and to graduate to more and to become bigger and it's it's just a lot of unhappiness which is not surprising that you hear amongst a lot of top guys that are happen to be perfectionist with so much and they just focus on what is not working or nitpicking something of their own work and that can be both very hard to deal with but also push you to be a very good at what you do when you take so so much uh so much criticism of your own work i think i think but, you
0: just described yourself
1: oh boy well there's no uh there's no john and way 365 series I could ask Michael Rappaport if he ever wants to narrate one of these on me. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I don't know. I'm sure, I'm sure there's many people who are like that. You you have to be able to balance ambition with reality. And maybe Kevin Owens struggled with that. He talks about... Uh, do you remember what he did at SummerSlam last year? No clue. Off the top of your head? No. Nope. Jericho? In the opening, it was him and Jericho against Cass and Enzo in kind oh. of this throwaway tag match at SummerSlam. And... He reflects on it that he was not happy at the time that he was involved in this. He just thought, and he made it clear, it was not some knock against any of these guys, especially Jericho. Um, He later goes on to reflect on this match a lot and has a change of opinion on it because at the time, all he was focused on was the fact, I want to be in the main event, I want to be a world champion, and I'm in this nothing tag match. And later, he grew to appreciate this because he said Cass and Enzo were over the moon, excited to be part of this match with these two. And here he is, a guy that grew up such a big fan of Chris Jericho, and he's teaming with this guy at a major pay-per-view. So he later talks about how he views that match differently. This is also the event where Finn Balor, who is legitimately one of his best friends, wins the title that night but also gets hurt in the process, vacating the title, which sets up Kevin Owens becoming the champion the week after that in that four-way match which took place in Houston, which is where Survivor Series was on Sunday, and maybe that's and why they decided to follow
0: him for this.
1: Um, it might have been, uh, and it turned in. He did bring that that up in the in the promo on Sunday night on the pre-show that he won not just the IC title but also the Universal title in that same arena. So they they show him winning the title and what a big moment this was for him. Um, they showed him going backstage, hugging Vince. And this was the part of our standard WWE production where it was musical montage time way. And we got to hear the song Higher by the score for our first montage of Kevin Owens, our new Universal Champion. We fast forward, and this is where, I mean, this if I'm going to critique this, it just felt as though... They came up with this idea and just found footage to lengthen this. Like, we go to Day 120, which is Roadblock in December. And this whole thing is just Jericho and Owens in a car together. And it's just ride-along footage. Um, But they do show their comedy together with this great series of clips. Like, just watching all of their backstage stuff together here was fun to watch, just all together. And then that goes into the Festival of Friendship Angle. Uh, no mention of Hunter disagreeing with the direction of this segment, which Chris Jericho brought up when I last interviewed him. And they go through that. Then we go to Fastlane, which is where Kevin Owens drops the title to Bill Goldberg. And that's when this all gets very interesting. It's it's all fine. Like, Owens wins the title. He's very happy with everything. And then things go down for his career at Fastlane. He loses the title in 21 seconds and for those to forget the match, it was Jericho making his return after the Festival of Friendship beatdown as a distraction. And then Goldberg speared Owens, jackhammered him, and pinned him to win the title. And Owens says he was very disappointed that they didn't get to have a real match. And while he doesn't say anything negative about the decision to take the title off him or Goldberg, like, you you certainly get the sense that had this Bill Goldberg thing not happened and he because that was just going to be one match at Survivor Series and nothing more and then it grew into be a big match for WrestleMania that the casualty of all this was Kevin Owens title reign and that had Goldberg not been in that equation it very likely would have been Owens and Jericho for the Raw title uh, at WrestleMania and they got kind of delegate or relegated, I should say, to a U.S. title program instead. So hmm. that takes us into WrestleMania from this past year. It's Jericho against Owens for the United States title. They have this, <laughs> this great clip. They're in a car on their way to the stadium, and Owens rolls down the window, and the car next to them, AJ Styles and Charlotte, are there. And if you recall, AJ had lost the title... Um, several months earlier and Charlotte had just dropped her women's title for the, the latest time and her streak ended and Owens just goes oh hey AJ hey Charlotte's there too hey guys remember when we were all champions yeah that was great <laughs> we'll be champions again sometime I'm sure and it was just you have to watch this clip it was great so um, they show highlights of the match with Jericho and then Owens didn't seem to be all that happy with the match. And he goes up to Vince in the gorilla position and the camera is on him. And Owens goes to Vince and they subtitle this too, because you can't really hear them. Are we good? And Vince just looks mad. And he says, no. And it turns out Owens explains later, Vince did not like the match. It wasn't what he was looking for. And Owens took this very hard. He viewed this as a, total failure Mm -hmm. at wrestlemania the fact that vince mcmahon did not like the match and this became to me the most fascinating part of this whole thing because here you are in a big program and this is a mass-produced show to millions of people and really everyone talks about the audience of one it really does exist for these performers Mm -hmm. like vince not liking this match like ruin this this night for Kevin Owens and coming out of it like you could tell it really weighed on him and granted it's one person's opinion but it is oh my the God. guy that runs the show that ultimately determines this and you know I look back at that match and I didn't think it was the greatest match in the world but I thought it was good but it was but, but were
0: you disappointed
1: um it was underwhelming to what I expected because and the build was so good Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And it was a match that was kind of... It was thrown onto a six-hour show where at the end of the night you weren't thinking of that match, certainly. Right. Um, Yeah. said, Mm -hmm. if I was Vince McMahon and I was going to reserve hatred, it would have been for whoever constructed that Randy Orton-Bray Wyatt match. I couldn't imagine having such harsh feelings towards these guys. (laughs) Hey, I'm sure... I would, I
0: would hope that he delivered a lashing ten times what he gave Kevin Owens for that Randy Orton Bray Wyatt match.
1: But I, I want Randy Orton three sixty five. I oh, think that would be awesome for Bray
0: Wyatt three sixty five. I think is what oh God you want
1: yeah
0: Look, his so, year God. But no, like just to to kind of like talk about like I think the the mentality you know of of not just like WWE, but I am sure like wrestling promotions around the world. You kind of like. I feel like you develop a, a a desire to like really please your dad. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you just kind of like want to make your dad happy. And Jason Jordan. Exactly. Yes. And, uh, it seems like in this case, it's, you know, somebody like Kevin Owens, despite him being incredibly, um, I, I'm sure creative and, uh, very judgmental on his own. I think, at this point seems to really respect the opinion of Vince McMahon and I'm sure it goes for plenty of people um, on that roster.
1: So then we go out of WrestleMania and he gets moved to SmackDown and he doesn't say it's a demotion or anything like that and in fact kind of views it as it's a fresh start but he also feels as though he failed. He feels like he failed at WrestleMania You know, the Universal title was taken off of him. Then he had this performance that was viewed as a failure at WrestleMania. Now he's getting shifted over to SmackDown. So he's, it's amazing. Like Kevin Owens comes across as one of the most confident performers out there. And I think justifiably should be. And yet you see this guy that was clearly going through a lot of second guessing at this time. This is where he came up with the face of America gimmick because he had won the U.S. title throughout all of this at WrestleMania. And he thought that the face of America was a really great moniker to have, given the irony of a Canadian and looking the way he does, um, that it's it's something new. It's something new to his character and identity. To go what, with, it, what does he mean looking the way he does? Does well, he I mean, not he look looks, like he an he American? To himself, he says, this is the face of America. And they were doing like close-ups of his face. Oh. I mean, God bless Kevin Owens. I don't think he's the... The most beautiful looking man. Mm, I mean, he's right. no, uh, yes, yes, yes. I don't know who would be a great example. Um, Michael Rappaport. Uh, sure. There's the face of America, the voice of America, Michael Rappaport. So he's, he feels this face of America thing is, is catching on. It's going well. And then he says, all of a sudden, they take the title off of me at a house show in July at Madison Square Garden, losing to AJ Styles. And he's left totally puzzled here because where do I go with the face of America gimmick? I've lost the title and clearly they're, they're not that interested in this idea because they took the title off of me. So he really has to go back to the drawing board because this isn't working. So that takes us to battleground, which we,
0: it, re- it actually, re- it actually was working, but for whatever reason they decided to change direction.
1: Well, that. Well, that's it. But he views this as their changing direction on him was but, their indication that this wasn't working. That's yeah. how he took it. Yeah, um, I agree. I thought he was doing very well with this character. Uh, so the Battleground rematch happens with AJ. And this is the one where it had the confusing finish where Owens wins the title back and then loses it two days later when Jericho showed up and they did that impromptu three-way on SmackDown. And they show the finish of the Battleground match and then they show all these tweets popping up on the screen of people burying the match. What the fuck was that? It just Owens just says, the match wasn't well received. And they don't say the finish was screwed up or anything. They don't really go into that. Um, they just say the match wasn't well received and that would be really accurate. That was not considering those two. Mm -hmm. Like I felt Owens and AJ, they just, they had something missing in that feud throughout the summer. I just didn't think they really ever hit that perfect note, uh, in any of their matches. Um, so Owens drops the title two days later and then it sets up another match with AJ for SummerSlam, which is where this culminates. And this is with Shane as the referee Uh, We go to SummerSlam day. He's reunited with Finn Balor. And Owens says he wishes the two were on the same show together. But he's on SmackDown. Balor's on Raw. Um, They talk about his injury. And then Owens goes out. He has the match with AJ. And he comes to the back. And Owens is not happy with the match. But Vince liked it a lot. So Owens is more confused than ever. He thought he had a pretty good match with Jericho at WrestleMania. Vince hated (laughs) it. Then at SummerSlam, he thinks he had a pretty good match with AJ, or sorry, didn't have a great match with AJ. Vince loved it. So, he, like, this is the kind of Ugh, gross. games that every single performer goes through. Yeah. Like, you don't know what you, what the reaction is going to be because it comes yeah. down to one guy that might not vibe with what the audience feels. It might be totally different. And are you performing for an arena? Are you performing for the macro audience out there or are you just performing for the approval of one person when you walk backstage and it's a it's a fascinating uh way to look at things that I'm sure many performers go through and anyway Owens mm-hmm. is just kind of he's just kind of lost and he ends up ending this interview kind of awkwardly there's no ending to this documentary and then he shows up later and he says I talked to you guys later earlier I said I didn't know, and then I got this. And he shows a text message he got from Steve Austin after SummerSlam saying he really enjoyed the match with AJ. And Owens is kind of like off the ledge at this point. He's like, I'm fine. I'm going to be just great. It's I'm just overthinking, essentially, Oh my God. what
0: he says. Damn, it sounds like this dude needs to just chill out.
1: Hey, this is the environment you're in, especially oh, at I this know. level. Yeah, and then it ends by saying, over the next few months... Kevin Owens would be involved in one of the most memorable Smackdown segments ever, headbutting Vince McMahon and then beating Shane McMahon at Hell in a Cell, and it's amazing to see like Vince is such a central figure to this story and here it ends with that big angle that was uh, I would argue one of the biggest angles they've shot in the last year or two. Mm-hmm. If if you, if you want to look at two of the biggest angles this year, it's Festival of Friendship and it's that Vince angle with both involving Kevin Owens. So mm-hmm. anyway, I, I found this really interesting and a look at an element of WWE you often don't get of talent dealing with failure and disappointment to this degree and being so open about it and kind of looking at the the relationship of Vince McMahon with his top performers.
0: Certainly. It kind of gives you an insight into... Um what the motivations are for a lot of performers and that's simply being the best puppet you can be for Vince McMahon. And if you're 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 doing a good job of moving your arm when Vince tells you to, then you can be happy. But um it I, I guess it's it's quite eye opening to to even think that somebody who is like you said seems as confident as a Kevin Owens is still so kind of um uh can be so kind of self-deprecating and maybe uncertain of himself uh when he hears negative reviews
1: And steve austin also gave him a thumbs up emoji.
0: Yeah Interesting match.
1: No, I I get it. I get it. You
0: know, I get it. Um, I get that like I get like, like that artists always are always looking for approval outside of themselves um and maybe that's how they get better. But I feel like a guy like Owens, I hope he realizes, you know, just like, mm, yeah, maybe he just holds himself to a higher standard than probably anybody else. It certainly he does.
1: But yeah, it's fascinating. Me as a guy that is probably obsessed with perfection. It's
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. probably why he's so good. I just, um, I, I hope he's, you know, he can relax once in a while.
1: So that was the 365 special. And before we end off way, you got to go to the new Japan world tag league opening night show on Saturday. And, uh, mm-hmm. I just want to get some of your, your live thoughts going, uh, anyone that stood out and just, uh, the, the entire experience. Well, first of all,
0: I mean, I think for me, the draw was not just to go and see a new Japan show, but it was to see a show in Korakuen hall period. Um, it's, I think you've never been there. I walked in once on like maybe 10 years ago on a trip to Japan. I walked in when there wasn't a show and they just like, you could just kind of walk in on certain days. Um, Japan has like a really, it's really safe and I think everybody's really trustworthy. So I just like walked in one day and just looked at the NT arena. I was like, awesome. Cool. Wow. Um, cause it's kind of, it's kind of like MSG, you know, but like for Japan. So, um, I just wanted to watch a show there, period. Um, but when I found out New Japan was uh, doing a show right as I was in town, um, I definitely was looking for tickets. Uh friend of ours, Chris Charlton, had tickets and offered one to me. And uh, i I don't know what to say at this point because, like, we walk in. I'm like, okay, yeah, we'll probably get some seats up in the bleachers or something. And I'd be very satisfied. Dude, like, <laughs> we walk in and, like, Chris is like, Oh my God, our seats are right here. (laughs) Like, (laughs) and they were right at the aisle. Yeah. Like where the, where the blue corner walks out, like in full view of like, basically anytime somebody made an entrance, like you could see me and Chris Charlton. And I just like, for the first like good half of the, the show, I was just like in awe of like where I was sitting. And like all these dudes were like just walking past us. And, um, I just, like, totally marked out. It was, like, it was so much fun. Um, just seeing everything up close, just to be in a Japanese audience, like, clapping along to the beat of music is a big thing in Japan. And uh, all the entrance themes were, like, everybody clapping in unison, very politely, very cute. And uh, it was great hearing some of those songs, like the Manu Suzuki entrance it was awesome. Um, your, your buddy. Yes, my buddy who uh, Damien, Abraham, and I had a chance encounter with at his uh, official store, Driver. So, yeah, I was like, hey, what's up? He's like, yo, what's going on? No, he doesn't remember me, I bet. But uh, oh, the match itself was like a lot of fun. I don't think necessarily it was like – it felt like a really good house show. You know what I mean? Like – like a bu- That's what it was. Yeah.
1: Like this was hardly a, like a major show for New Japan. It was yeah, this was like maybe a a, a step above a regular house show. But I mean like, like two tournament matches and then multi-man tags.
0: Exactly. But like I had a ton of fun. And it's like I'm sure we were sitting like right up there, but I'm sure even if you sat way up in like the standing room only area where like you had to where like the people with the banners are, I'm sure like every view is I think good because it only holds like 2000 people. So uh I was surprised to see how small it was but um the vibe was just a lot of fun and like I got a I got like pretty much you know most of the most of the roster like made appearances and everybody was just uh Jeff Cobb really impressed you know I thought uh, his I, first I match I thought
1: that guy got over to that crowd and you you would know better than me it just seemed like he instantly was over with this crowd I think like a
0: big american throwing people around that's yeah, like really easy and it makes me wonder if like Matt Riddle would have received such as such a good of a reaction
1: I'm not sure I, I, I like that you and I got to see Jeff Cobb live like three weeks apart you Corcune <laughs> Hall and me at Lee's Palace
0: yeah yeah that's it we're
1: both of our opposite venues
0: Hey, people travel for wrestling I mean it just I guess it kind of shows you how uh, global in like the the wrestling indie slash like uh new japan scene is right now when all these guys are kind of interchangeable um and yeah it was just fun like i think what also stood out was like seeing how uh, over lij and naito were um they were just like i mean they might as well have been like they they i i was surprised to hear this but um chris stralton told me that like lij far out sells bullet club merchandise and in terms of at least in japan and uh i i guess like being over in north america you all you only get the sense that the Bullet club is like their biggest thing but no in japan lij is the biggest stable in new japan so um i feel like we got a bit of a preview of naito and uh, okada in uh their uh, chaos versus lij match um and that was a lot of fun and yeah all in all it's just like man good times Really, really fantastic experience that I have to thank Chris Charlton for. I also got a chance to meet Jojo Remy. We all had Sukayman at the end of the the, the the show. Um, I also got a tour of, uh, this place called, to- to- I might be sp- saying it wrong, Totokon. It's like basically, um, like a giant museum of like wrestling merch and wrestling memorabilia, tons of masks, like toys a huge collection of dvds and japanese magazines robes um passports of wrestlers and uh this was like steps away from tokyo dome and and korakuen and and so anytime anybody makes makes their way there do uh go but do not go when there's an autograph signing uh held by dory funk junior at the same time because that's what happened and it this place was just packed and it was like so humid in there wow Full of like Dory Funk Jr. fans. So like it was, um yeah, well, I couldn't really fully explore. But it's it's incredible.
1: Did you get to see WH over there?
0: No, he couldn't make it. Uh, he was in town, but I think he was really tired. And I, w- I really wanted to go see a stardom show the next day. But I think there's like I'm not just here for wrestling. So like I wanted to do a bunch of other things in Japan. And I just didn't have time for it. So maybe next time. Maybe 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 I'll will go with you, John. How about that? Sure. Sure.
1: That's uh, that can you be should our, bring the whole f- bring the whole family. That can be our stretch goal. Yeah. You sure. and I go to Japan. All right. Well, I am looking at the time. We have gone very late or very early for for way in comparison to me. Uh so that is going to wrap things up. Way will be up in the air um on Tuesday night. So if you're sick of my voice, I will understand if you skip Tuesday night, but I will be back. It's our fourth consecutive show in as many days. Uh, Tuesday night, we'll go through SmackDown Live and 205 Live uh, coming out and what they do on SmackDown. If we get AJ Styles and Jinder Mahal for the title and what happens there, so that is all happening. Uh, for those out there that are following our shows, you can do so at John johnandway4.life. And now... I don't even have to explain whether it's the number four or you just type F O R because they both will take you to the same place. John and Way four dot life. And there you can get the RSS feed, throw it into your uh, podcast app and easily get the show on iTunes. Am I getting it all right, Way? Better than I could
0: explain. If you can't figure that out by now. You know what though, I, I can't, I can't even say that because I think, like to this day, we're still getting people who are just finding out that um, we're no longer on the law. So uh,
1: I've if, got people complaining to me that the iTunes is not updated in several weeks. Yeah, what's going on. I I don't, uh, I don't have it in my heart to disappoint. Mm. So that's where you can go for now, and in the future, who knows where we will be directing you to? Stay yeah, tuned. But that's where you can go for now. And you can follow us at, I am John Pollock, at Way0937 on Twitter and Instagram.
0: Doing it for the gram.
1: Doing it for the gram. Do everything for the gram. You can see how different me and Way's current lives are, where Way is off (laughs) uh, meeting Terrace House celebrities, and I got to go meet Santa in the mall. It was one of the best experiences of my life. You
0: did? Wow, really? Like, okay, your first oh, time ta- taking your kid to see Santa Claus. Tell me about
1: it. We went on Monday. And as I told you, we had to book this in advance because the way they have it set up is that Santa comes every hour and they cap it at like 17 families for that hour. And they take you into this little area the kids can sit down or the parents hold them they read a story to them they get to take photos around this little Santa's area and then you get called up by the number to get your photo with Santa and i have to say this was crazy like there had to have been uh like 18 infants all here and like none of them were crying wow they were all like just you know sitting around hanging out I, I don't know if this term exists but I'm gonna I'm gonna create it if it hasn't I think this generation is gonna be called the chillennials.
0: god the I hope I hope they don't come with come with, I think come out with that but uh okay you think so you think you think this is this will just be a generation of of children that, I, I that... think
1: the millennial generation is like a little crazy and this next generation is gonna be like all right guys life doesn't have to be this fucking hard the chillennials the chillennials but anyway uh we we were number 15 way uh we got up we got to take many photos with santa uh with the with the child and it was awesome and max was, max was cool like what did what did max think of santa he, he just sat there and yeah no tears he just kind of sat there i don't think he was fully uh digesting the scope of, of what was happening he was just kind of like all right let's get this over with and that was it
0: well that's awesome man i'm glad yeah, it sounds like it was like a, was like, a like a perfect type of a uh, first experience with your kid and santa claus
1: and you went to what, what's it called a total uh, Con. Uh, is that where you went today i was looking at oh your, no i went to an onsen today that's what it was called yeah an onsen yeah yeah was it a good time it was awesome it was great. It was
0: like it was like seeing Santa, but except like in a hot tub and then a cold tub and then a hot tub and then a cold tub again and then a hot tub again.
1: Oh my gosh! Was that not like a shock to the system? To go from one to the other.
0: As 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 much of a shock as Santa Claus, as, as opposed as to an infant. I guess so. Yeah, it was the best one.
1: Well, as we uh. Get close here to two hours. This is where we are really going to say goodbye to everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh, Way will be back next week and we'll have a solo show this week and then back to normal. Good night. Good morning. Goodbye.